Hello, everyone, and welcome to Talk with the Doc, the show where we bring your questions to medical experts for insight and information. I'm your host, Mary Renoff, and here with me today is Dr. Mark Basaratman, a doctor of nursing practice with an emphasis in family medicine at Facey Medical Group in California. Today, we're answering your questions about lower back pain. We'll discuss what might be causing your pain, possible solutions, and possible treatments. Remember, everyone, many of our questions come from you, our listeners, via social media. We can be found on Twitter at Providence and on Facebook and Instagram under Providence Health System. Use the hashtag TalkWithTheDoc for a chance to hear your questions in our episodes. Before we start, I want our listeners to know that the information provided during this program is for educational purposes only. Always consult a healthcare provider if you have any questions regarding a medical condition or treatment. So let's get started by welcoming back one of our regulars, Dr. Basa Rotman. How are you? Hi, I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. I'm, uh, it's always a pleasure to be on this show, as the case may be. <laughs> well, we love having you. Um, many people may already have heard from you before, but for those who haven't, and this is their first time, give us a little bit of background about what your role is within the organization. Uh, so I do work for uh, FACI Medical Group, which is a subdivision of Providence in California. I work internal medicine and family practice, so I do see more of the chronic conditions. Uh, I see scheduled appointments, and internal medicine is a little bit of everything. So I see a myriad and a different variety of all different uh, health ailments throughout the spectrum, as the case may be. So I've been with uh, Providence. Uh, this will be my uh, third year, and I'm loving Providence. It's such a great company, and definitely uh, looking forward to what the future has to bring with this organization. Uh, well, we love having you. Um, you know, one of the questions we get every time we do a show with you is, what is a doctor of nurse practitioner? Can you explain that to people? So essentially, I'm a nurse practitioner, but I did receive my clinical doctorate with an emphasis on family and primary health care. So essentially, uh, in the state of California, I have all prescription and ordering and lab and imaging uh, authorizations, just as a physician, uh, an MD or a DO does. So essentially, we are uh, the same level in terms of how we treat patients, how we order different uh, testing for patients. So uh, it's essentially another way and another avenue for uh, patients to be seen by a, a licensed healthcare provider here in California. So uh, obviously I work with different primary care providers here at Providence. So essentially we do what we call a continuity of care. So uh, if a patient wants to be seen by me, uh, then I'll be able to address any of their clinical concerns and then I'll just go ahead and reroute it back to their PCP, their primary care doctor or vice versa. So we do a uh, team-based healthcare here. So all of the healthcare providers here, uh, whether it's me or the other MDs or DOs, we uh, can kind of see the, the patient as a team. I like it. It's like having your own team anytime on standby. Exactly. Um, exactly. I know that today we're going to talk about lower back pain, and I feel like it's a pretty common issue, or at least I know a lot of people who have it. Um, and I know a lot of people have it chronically. So I kind of wanted you to tell us a little bit about what what do you see when it comes to back pain? Is it is it high, low, everywhere? Is it chronic? Is it acute? Give, give us the skinny. So with uh, internal medicine and primary care, uh, low back pain is probably one of, it's probably in the top five of most common uh, chief complaints I'm seeing, especially more lately. I think a lot of it has to do with the pandemic. I think a lot of patients were at home more. Maybe they were not as active as before. So obviously there are gonna be acute cases, whether it's a recent injury, whether it's uh, you know, a motor vehicle accident, like a car accident, uh, you know, essentially those we do see quite often. It's also the chronic ones, uh, whether it's related to a poor posture, 
or uh, poor movement of the back or you know a, a recent uh, gain of excess weight can definitely contribute to uh, back pain so definitely it's very important when we're doing our uh, you know history of the personal illness which we call the HPI uh, it's very important that we find out a what uh, part of the back is it is it the mid mid spine is it the low spine is it the neck and definitely how long it's been going on for so definitely we have to write we have to ask the correct questions to see exactly if it's getting better if it's getting worse and to kind of see what area it's uh, localized in you mentioned weight gain and the pandemic. I feel like that COVID-19 pounds has been impacting all of us because I wouldn't say I have back pain. I would definitely say I'm stiffer and and like getting out of bed is a little bit more cumbersome than it was. <laughs> yeah, definitely. We're, we're seeing this also. We're seeing a lot of patients uh, since, you know, March of 2020. Now they're coming in for their physicals, which, you know, they've obviously neglected. They haven't come in as frequently as they used to. So, you know, we're checking their sugar levels, their cholesterol levels. Uh, unfortunately, we are seeing a lot of them go up and a lot of it has to do with the fact that many of the gyms here in California have been closed for, you know, nine, 10 months. So it, it makes it really problematic uh, for these patients to, you know, be active. No, oh, that makes perfect sense. How does somebody know, like, if, if they should come in and be seen? Like, do I give it a couple days? Is it only if it's excruciating pain? What's kind of the, the gauge for how I know if I should see a doctor? So back pain is very interesting because it could either be related to the spinal canal itself, you know, the cervical, thoracic, or lumbar spine, uh, which will mean that it's more bone related. Uh, it could be actually a kidney infection uh, or a urinary tract infection because our kidneys are, uh, you know, they're localized back in that area. So many times back pain could be a, a UTI without us even realizing it. And uh, it could also be a, a muscle spasm. Uh, which is 100% going to be muscular related, which could be related to, uh, you know, lifting heavy or, you know, patients who recently moved furniture. Uh, they slept on the, uh, the bed incorrectly and, you know, they're having a lot of pain when they wake up in the morning. Or it, it could even be, you know, neurological like sciatic or, um, you know, what we call radiculopathy type pain. So it, it's very hard to uh, patients to understand what type of pain they're dealing with. So I would say if their pain is persistent and it's not going away after, you know, 24 to 48 hours, that could be telling us something. So that would warrant, uh, you know, a face-to-face -face office visit with a healthcare provider. Does it come a lot of times with how much impact it is to mobility, right? Like if I'm just kind of uncomfortable, but I can still go about my daily life, maybe I just take some, I don't know, some Aleve, some ibuprofen, whatever. Or if it's like, I really can't get out of bed, I can't bend over, I can't pick up my kid. Are there kind of levels to it? Uh, definitely. If, if the patients can kind of know where it's coming from, then that's half the battle. So if they're understanding that, okay, I'm having back pain and, you know, I work in a type of setting where I'm doing a lot of lifting and I'm doing a lot of carrying or I'm doing a lot of bending, then if we know where it's coming from, then that kind of makes it easier for the patients because now the treatment plan makes it a lot more uh, straightforward. The, the problem is many times the patients don't know uh, organically if it is related to a UTI, if it is related to my occupation or job, if it is related to, you know, chronic arthritic changes. So uh, unless the patient truly knows where their back pain is coming from, 
it, it would necessitate and warrant a, a face-to-face visit with us. So uh, we would have to do, as healthcare providers, some investigative research and testings to see exactly what type of back pain it is so we can create a game plan for them. You just mentioned arthritis, and, and I know you can get arthritis in your hands, your knees, your feet. I, I didn't know that you could get it in the back. Is that pretty common? Yeah, it's actually called a spondylosis, which is a, an age-related wear and tear. So think of your your car tires, you know, over time, the, the treading, you know, of the car tires, uh, you know, with, you know, chronic driving of the car, highway street driving, uh, it, it gets it gets worn out. The same thing can happen with your uh, with your cervical, thoracic, and lumbar spine, where the padding or the cushioning between the spinal canal itself can kind of get, um, you know, what we call a stenosis, meaning that it kind of closes in, and it's it's a chronic arthritic change that can definitely cause a lot of back pain and stiffness. Well, speaking of, of stiffness, I have a quick question for you because I've, I've heard this both ways, right? I've heard people say, well, if I have back pain, I should lay down. I should not move. I should try to you know, be as immobile as possible. And I've heard other people say, oh, no, you want to continue moving, stretching. What's, what's, the, what's the standard, I guess? Depending on the uh, organic cause of the back pain. So let's say in this case, if it's strictly arthritic, then in that case, I would not recommend laying down. I would actually recommend more um, mobility and movement because the more we move, uh, you know, essentially it's going to make it much easier for uh, the spinal canal to just kind of continue with that mobility as the case may be. So uh, laying down is just going to kind of contribute further more to the arthritic pain. And it's also not going to help with maintaining a good weight. Uh, essentially with the arthritis, excess weight can place more pressure onto the spine so if someone is just laying back and not really as active as they used to be, uh, we definitely want to promote as much mobility uh, as we can, but obviously it has to be safe. So it's kind of a catch-22. Uh, we don't want to do any sort of activity that's going to worsen the arthritis, uh, but we also don't want them to do any sort of uh, lack of movement because then that's also going to worsen the arthritis as well. Interesting. What about... Um and I hear this question quite a bit too, like if I go in for back pain, am I going to have to have an x-ray? Am I going to have to have an ultrasound? How do you actually determine or diagnose what the back pain is? The the first part is going to be an extensive interview where we're going to be asking the patients, when did it start? What makes it better? What makes it worse? Uh, have they had this in the past before? Uh, is it localized? Does it move? So the, the interview is so critical and crucial because then it'll make it easier for us to kind of differentiate uh, what type of back pain it is. And based off of that interview, we'll be able to understand to say what type of tests will be necessary. Um, Normally, we do x-rays first to see if there's any sort of fractures, dislocations, spinal stenosis, which is the closing of of the spinal canal itself. It'll also tell us if there's any sort of chronic arthritic changes. It can also tell us if there's a variation of scoliosis and or stiffness of the spine, which could be indicative of a, of a muscle spasm. So generally x-ray first, uh, and then if you know the symptoms are persisting, they're getting worse, or if there's an acute injury like an MVA, uh, motor vehicle accident, then we would consider ordering uh, an MRI to see the, the soft tissues uh, as the case may be. 
what are what are some of the most common treatments once you have diagnosed the cause and, and the severity of it? So very common here at Providence when we do see, let's say, a spondylosis or age-related wear and tear or arthritic changes, we always recommend a round of uh, physical therapy. So we normally order around six to 10 sessions of physical therapy to kind of help uh, promote movement. You know, obviously a trainer and a physical therapist is going to be making sure you're doing the proper form. Uh, physical therapy is so crucial, first line for back pain. Uh, weight loss program to, you know, kind of reduce that extra pressure onto the spinal canal itself. In terms of medications, uh, if they have a good renal or kidney function, we can recommend, uh, you know, anti-inflammatories, naproxen, Aleve, ibuprofen as a first line to reduce inflammation. And if they're having a flare-up in uh, severe cases, we can even consider steroids as well. Wonderful. Well, this is a really fascinating topic and we had a lot of questions for you, but we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to continue discussing lower back pain. We are back on Talk with the Doc. Today, we have Dr. Mark Basaratman from Facey Medical, and we've been talking about lower back pain, some of the causes, some of the treatments, how do we alleviate the pain. You mentioned right before the break um, some of the treatments. You know, it could be NSAIDs. It could potentially be some steroids. 
one of the questions we get from a lot of people is, you know, it seems like most people with back pain are getting prescribed pain medication, which maybe then leads to a dependency. Are you, and, and is the organization trying to steer away from opioids when it comes to this kind of a, a, a diagnosis? Definitely, especially for first line, we don't want to, you know, skip the NSAIDs, the steroids, the physical therapy, and then go straight to the hydrocodone. So we do see patients who are on a chronic regimen of what we call Norco, which is hydrocodone with acetaminophen or Tylenol. And uh, that that's something they'll use every eight hours to kind of help manage the severe, you know, eight out of 10 or 10 out of 10 pain. So uh, if the patients are already on a prescribed pain uh, regimen by pain management, we tend not to go against the pain management doctor, but our goal here at Providence and FACI is to avoid that altogether. Let's use more preventative measures and primary care methods uh, such as physical therapy, weight loss, you know, maybe a swimming program. We even have uh, made many referrals to aquatic physical therapy because the pool is a fantastic modality to help promote mobility without causing any sort of strain on the spinal canal itself. So to answer the question, unless really deemed necessary and nothing is working, uh, we tend not to like to use narcotics as a first line because we're really trying to steer away from patients becoming dependent on them. Well, you did mention NSAIDs and I have heard from, you know, we have had people ask us questions in the past about constant use. And maybe, you know, if I'm using Tylenol or acetaminophen on a regular basis, like you mentioned, maybe every six to eight hours, do we need to worry about problems to the liver? So definitely with Tylenol, acetaminophen, uh, if it's chronically abused, um, it could cause some liver inflammation. And we normally do a standard blood test called AST and ALT, which is generally part of the metabolic panel to make sure that the uh, liver is not working too hard. If you put too much Tylenol and inundate your body with too much Tylenol, uh, you're going to create uh, you know, a lot of pressure and strain onto the liver itself, which is something we really want to avoid. And with NSAIDs like ibuprofen, Aleve, Motrin, that's going to place a lot of pressure and problems on the stomach. It could cause a gastritis and it could also cause uh, you know, renal problems or kidney problems. So we don't like patients using Tylenol and Motrin around the clock all the time unless it's necessary. Uh, you know, a safer modality we could recommend if the pain isn't really going away is what we call Voltaren gel, which is actually an anti-inflammatory gel that's applied to the back area. And it could be used once or twice a day um, in the localized back. And that could be a healthier alternative than ingesting the tablets of ibuprofen every eight hours. Oh, interesting. Okay. I, I typically find a lot of success with things like Arnica or, or creams, but I, like I said, my pain is very, very mild. Mm -hmm. um, you, you did mention, you know, earlier kind of exercises and stretches and that sort of thing. Do you recommend that somebody come see you first before they attempt those? Or do you think just regular exercise for your back as, as an everyday approach is useful? I think definitely patients should come and see their healthcare provider first because there's certain exercises that can actually make it worse. Uh, one of them is the treadmill because treadmill is going to be placing a lot of pressure onto the lumbar spine itself. Uh, another one, you know, would be essentially running on a hard surface uh, like the concrete or the uh, track and field course. That's going to create a lot of pressure onto the low back. So. 
they should essentially see their primary doctor first to kind of create a game plan. Uh, I personally recommend swimming because, that, again, that's going to be promoting mobility uh, without placing any sort of excess strain on the back. Uh, I recommend, you know, using the elliptical machine, uh, you know, at most standard gyms, as well as a Stairmaster machine, because that's going to really uh, help the quad muscles increase as well as the glutes. So we have to really make a tailored individual exercise plan for the patient that's going to be promoting more safety than harm. Because if a patient's going to go and decide to do deadlifts or squats on their own without talking to their healthcare provider, they actually could make their back pain worse. Well, that makes perfect sense. What about things like massage therapists and chiropractors? Is that something that people who are experiencing back pain should look into? Or again, should they see you first and then you make that decision together? Uh, so luckily here at Providence Facey, we are able to place referrals to chiropractors. And a lot of it is going to be patient preference if they wanted to see a chiropractor. Personally and medically, we do recommend uh, utilizing physical therapy first before seeing a chiropractor. So we can kind of at least check their mobility, see if exercise is helping them. Uh, and you know, with, with back pain, a lot of times it's chronic. So we might have to do a lot of visits. It's not gonna be a one-time visit, you know, once or twice a year. Sometimes these patients have to come in every two, three weeks and we'll have to alter the, the plan for them, you know, we'll consider physical therapy, we'll consider doing an MRI, we'll consider doing steroids. There's so many different avenues and modalities to treating this that, and it's constantly changing, it's constantly fluid based off of how the patients are responding. And, you know, chiropractor is a, is a great modality to use, but we tend to try other modalities first before we use uh, chiropractor first. That makes sense. What about surgery? One of the questions we got was how often does back pain lead to surgery and, and can you try to avoid surgery is, or is it sometimes just the only option? If a patient had a traumatic injury in the past, like a really bad car accident or a really bad football injury or basketball injury, and it's just really progressing and nothing is working, uh, we'll usually send them to pain management uh, for a consultation. And the type of surgeon that actually does the back surgery, especially if it's back related, is gonna be neurosurgery. It's a very particular and specific type of medicine that you would have to see a specialist for. So here in internal medicine, we'll normally place the referral to uh, pain management, and then they'll kind of make that call to say, hey, you know what? Uh, we think surgery is gonna be necessary because based off their latest MRI, it seems that the uh, spondylosis and the chronic uh, spinal stenosis and arthritic changes is getting so severe that it's impacting the nerve roots and the nerve endings themselves. We need to do some uh, variation of a surgical intervention to help promote um, you know, a better life for the patient. So uh, normally it's not gonna be our call here in internal medicine, it'll be the specialist call. And you know, we'll do everything we can, at least initially, to avoid this because you know, neurosurgery is not gonna be a you know, a fun ordeal and the recovery of back surgery is generally quite extensive. At least I hope that it's gotten better. You remember when you watched those shows when you were a kid and you saw somebody have back surgery and they're in like a full body cast and traction for like six weeks? I assume it's better than that now. Um, you know, the, the recovery process is still quite extensive because we want to really uh, limit mobility 
um, at least initially to promote healing and promote, um, you know, reducing inflammation and scar tissue. So, uh, you know, sometimes they might even be bed rested for quite some time until the, the body can heal itself. Uh, so definitely if, if we can use the early interventions to avoid neurosurgery, by all means, uh, we'll do anything that we can. Makes sense. Well, we got a question from Miles via Twitter, and he said, now that I'm working from home all day, should I invest in a standing desk to help me with my back pain? That's a great question, and many of my patients are asking me that as well. So to answer that, if it's a preference that they really want to do, by all means, go ahead. But from a medical standpoint, it's not really necessary. Um, first and foremost, standing desks, a lot of them could be upwards to three to $400. Uh, so from a financial standpoint, if they wanted to save that, that that's definitely understandable. But, you know, if a patient can stand up every hour, you know, and just make a five minute stretching period, uh, you know, maybe walk around the office or walk around at home where they'll kind of promote that mobility and not put so much emphasis and pressure and, and stress on their back, then they could avoid using a, a standing desk. So the key is, is that we shouldn't be sitting down so long to place extra stress on the lumbar spine, uh, but we don't need to be standing all day as well because that could create other problems as well. So uh, to answer that, they should really use a standard desk, but really set an alarm or set a timer where they can stand up every 30 minutes or you know every hour where they can walk around and really help promote that mobility. Nope. I hear you on that one for sure. I think the getting up and moving is, is very helpful. We had a question from Lisa on Facebook, and I think you kind of touched on this. She said, I'm overweight, and I know it's causing my back pain, but because I'm I'm in pain, I'm having a hard time doing exercises to lose weight. And I know you mentioned swimming. Um, what else would you recommend to somebody who's struggling with that that problem? So I want her to be as active as possible. So obviously, I wouldn't recommend jogging or sprinting right now, but you know, walking around the neighborhood. Uh, you know, maybe three, four times a day is a great way to lose calories. But in a case where uh, there is some variation of a musculoskeletal issue and a patient does need to lose weight, that's a really good chance to focus on the diet. So Lisa can really focus on her diet, you know, really try to implement a plant-based or Mediterranean diet now since she can't be as active as she used to be because of the back pain. Because we, we say, you know, 60 to 70% of weight loss uh, is often attributed to just the diet itself. So the, although she's having back pain, which is very unfortunate, we can really use this time to uh, focus on her diet. Uh, so hopefully if she'll lose the weight, it'll relieve the back pain as well. Well, we're almost out of time and I want to make sure I give you the chance. Is there anything you want our audience to know about lower back pain that we haven't covered yet? So essentially, prevention is key. Uh, protect your back as much as humanly possible. Um, avoid bad posture. Uh, avoid treadmills if you can. Uh, you know, use a safer method to do your cardio, such as the stairmaster and elliptical or swimming. Um, you know, obviously, try to avoid MVAs. You know, car accidents as much as humanly possible. Obviously, many of them are you know, not in our control, uh, because many times I'm seeing patients with back pains and it is related to prior car accidents, even if it was from 15 years ago. Uh, mind your posture, make sure that um, you're not slouching. Uh, essentially, we don't want to have all that pressure go down onto your spine. Uh, make sure you're active. 
get up and walk every hour, every 30 minutes. So we're not putting all this pressure on the back. And lastly, mind your sleeping habits and positioning. Many times sleeping uh, positioning can uh, inadvertently, you know, contribute to the back pain as well. So, you know, make sure that you're changing your mattress and your pillows uh, every so often. So it's not going to really cause back pain in the future. I'm pretty sure I'm not the only person who just realized they were slouching and sat up straight. (laughs) (laughs) You are amazing as always. We really love having you. I want to thank you, Dr. Bhattarapman, for joining us today on Talk with a Doc and to everyone for listening and sending in your questions. We look forward to future topics with more experts from Providence and Facey. Make sure to listen to our future shows on Dash Radio under the Future of Health radio station or on your favorite podcast platform. Follow us on social media. We can be found on Twitter at Providence and on Facebook and Instagram under Providence Health Systems. To learn more about our missions, programs, and services, visit Providence.org. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.